have been fascinated with the unknown and paranormal realms since childhood. After a profound experience with my grandmother's spirit 20 years ago, I have been on a quest to observe, study, investigate, and communicate with the afterlife and beyond. It's been an ongoing journey of exploration and discovery, one that has taught me how mortality and the spirit world are forever bonded through the veils of time. And welcome to another episode of the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond. I am your host, Nicole Strickland, on this Thursday, February 11th. You're listening to the show on WLTKDB.com or TheLet'sTalk.com. Make sure to join the chat room in there. You can do that through Facebook because tonight's guest is very generous in offering a free book giveaway. Before we bring tonight's guest in, I do want to honor my good friends and treasured, beloved RMS Queen Mary crew member Ralph Rushton, who passed away peacefully with his family on February 4th. Ralph was a wealth of knowledge of hospitality functions of the Queen Mary. He worked on the liner in the mid-50s, 1950s, all the way to 52, worked his way up from an honest bellboy to commerce waiter, and cabin class dining room waiter as well. And uh, he even had the opportunity of meeting actor Rock Hudson and the Duke of Windsor and Mrs. Simpson and affectionately had a nickname for the Queen Mary. He called her his girlfriend. So Ralph tonight with the sounding of girlfriend's whistle and on behalf of your entire Queen Mary family near and far, We wish you fair winds and smooth seas on your eternal journey beyond the stars. Voyage on, Ralph. Okay, so tonight I am so excited to have none other than Dale Katzmerich joining us, president of the Ghost Research Society. So let's get right into it. Dale, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's always great to hear you. You have so much knowledge on the paranormal, supernatural, and, and, and ghost research. So thank you so much for joining. So, I mean, I, I know a lot of people listening you know, already know a lot about the Ghost Research Society, but in case there's one that don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of the, the Ghost Research Society and how you came to, to be involved with it? Well, it all started way back, um, actually through my childhood years, with my uh, parents and grandparents telling me ghost stories, which really kind of was, uh, got me on the road to where I am today. But uh, back around the mid-1970s or so, uh, we just had a bunch of like-minded people uh, right. sitting in the paranormal. Uh, Martin B. Ricardo uh, was, the, was the individual that really kind of pushed me into this, and I uh, appreciate that uh, greatly. We're kind of co-founders. Uh, back in 1977, uh, what, what then was called the Ghost Trackers Club. Um, mm-hmm. And I worked there as a five years as a research assistant uh, before uh, taking over uh, in 1982 and then changing the group's name to the Ghost Research Society, which is a bit more indicative of what we actually do, ghost research. And uh, I don't like to call myself a ghost hunter 
because that kind of like uh, signifies that I'm out there, you know, hunting for ghosts, you know. I'm with you on that. (laughs) I like to say I'm a paranormal investigator or ghost researcher or something like that. And I'm not an expert. I don't think there are any experts in the field. I think they're just people that kind of have more whiskers, so to speak. They've been around. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you've been around for so long how has the the team evolved like when it, i mean in terms of its investigations from when it started to now i'm you guys go everywhere you've been to some very iconic places yeah and i got so much i'm on so-called bucket list to still do uh, <laughs> yeah, up there to uh, california and you're neck of the woods but uh right. generally speaking uh, when i first started out back in the mid-1970s i mean there was no paranormal equipment per se at all um what i ended up using back then was a 35 millimeter camera i mm-hmm. used a tech tape recorder and my emf device was a compass uh so basically we very rudimentary um equipment back then of course then later on as equipment began to come out that where really wasn't made for ghost research it was really like, you know, K2 meters and cell sensors and things like that that were really meant to um, tell you if you had dangerous EMF fields in your home. But uh, uh, myself and other people began to adapt those because we figured that if there's a spirit around and there's an energy uh, generated by that spirit, they might cause a deviation in electromagnetic fields, which would set those meters off. And indeed, you know, we had some very strange reading uh, early on uh, that we couldn't explain. Of course, I was also using a lot of uh, black and white <clears throat> high-speed infrared film back then that was yeah. uh, very, very useful. I got some, I was tremendously lucky to get some really incredible photographs of shadow figures and things that were right in front of my eyes, but I didn't see them because of the infrared film. Um, right. Unfortunately, everybody goes digital, uh, which is kind of good because you have kind of that instant picture uh, that you can actually see, and then you can go back and try out other experiments. So, yeah, the the, the equipment and so forth is, has uh, uh, basically, uh, it just leaps and bounds over what uh, what I was when I first started out. Yeah, there's so much of it nowadays. I, I mean, I, I guess for me, I tend to kind of stay more along the lines of classic uh, equipment. I don't go overboard. You know, I have a camera, audio recorder, you know, some environmental monitoring equipment. But uh it's there's so much to choose from, and and I think that you have to be, uh, I guess, very careful in, in choosing the right equipment because I think some of it out there is maybe not beta tested, not necessarily good for paranormal research. I don't know what what your thought is on that. Oh yeah, I mean, there's uh, yeah, I we, our group currently has about fourteen thousand dollars worth of ghost hunting gear. Um, <laughs> wow. that, I, that I've collected uh, starting all in uh, the late 1970s right on to present day. And um, right. usually if I find something that's kind of interesting on the internet or some, some, somebody's building something, and there's so many people out there building equipment nowadays, uh, you know, digital dowsing is one of my favorite places to go, but so many other places that have, uh, uh, you know, these, these very unique minds out there that are building equipment. So I'll try to find something that's interesting that maybe – uh, is is uh, very unique, and I'll try yeah. it. And many times it works really well, and sometimes it doesn't. So it kind of gets put on the side. Uh, a couple of the pieces of equipment we got just just recently that are very very useful 
uh, is the GS2 laser grid. I don't know if you've heard about that. But uh, I have, yes. The laser grid that actually sends out, you know, not only the, you know, the, the, the little dots like normal laser grids do, <clears throat> but there's a little, little screen on the back. So if something comes and breaks the beam, it'll actually show you the configuration of what just broke the beam. Uh, which is really neat. Yes. You know, the temperature, the distance, you know, all different types of parameters. Um, and things like that are very, very useful. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, the way you want to look at it, if you're not watching it, you have to put a camera on it and make sure you're, yeah. you're taping it the whole time to see if something kind of moves through the field. But uh, uh, we were in Gettysburg, and we used that the first time in Gettysburg, right along with Iverson's Pittsburgh, uh, which we're going back again in August of, the, of, of this year. And Fantastic. Constantly, we're getting things just moving in front of the field constantly. And this was not bugs. It wasn't insects. I mean, bugs or insects are not even big enough probably to set it off. And uh, it, it would have been little tiny dots going through there. Uh, these were giant things going through there. And the, the neat thing about this, uh, if there's um, if the whatever you're picking up has has some sort of uh, um, temperature temperature to it, if it's a hot temperature, it'll be red. If it's a cold temperature, it'll be blue. So right away, you can kind of get that idea uh, that maybe maybe a real person might have walked through. So you get kind of like a, a heat signature. Uh, but right. That's, yeah, of, that's good when you have the – go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say there's just a lot of neat equipment out there that uh, we've been trying and uh, we've been adding to our arsenal. Yeah, try it out and experiment with it and, and see what works for you. I mean, I, I have heard of that laser grid. And so I think I'm probably going to add it to my because I have some of the old laser pens from like, you know, five, 10 years ago. And, you know, yeah, they, yeah, we still got those. They do. <laughs> you know, they're, they're great for especially when we run tours and stuff. They're great. But yeah, I have heard of that one. So I definitely want to add it to my collection. Shadow figures. Remember when we were actually in Waverly Hills and you when you came to Waverly Hills with us, we were Yes, yes. Using a laser uh, uh, experiment uh, as you were walking down the hallway, being very brave by yourself, and uh, uh, remember that? Oh my gosh! Laser <laughs> on basically a laser beam on your back as you're going down to see if something walked between you and the laser beam, and a couple times it looked like it kind of just was disrupted for a couple seconds. I remember that there was a, another time too. I think it was uh, me and Nicole Tito. We were sitting and then uh, so I forget who was shining. It might've been Joey or, or Lisa. Someone was shining the laser beam down the hallway. And I distinctly remember the little red dot coming closer and closer and closer. And then right as it got super close, I saw a shadow figure right before my eyes. It was incredible. Uh, that was, that was such an incredible investigation. Yeah. I forgot to mention at the beginning, the show uh i've worked with the i've had the lucky pleasure of working with the ghost research society and then two i think it was 2009 when we went to waverly hills and then also investigated the lincoln theater at troy taylor's conference which was awesome so hope to do that again with you guys soon but speaking of shadow figures you had an experience at was it trans allegheny lunatic asylum that you wanted to talk about what was that like well you know, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in West and West Virginia is 256,000 square feet building. It's, it's the second largest stone building anywhere in the world next to the Kremlin. I mean, it's absolutely immense. And we were there wow. with a public group, but we only had each floor. We only had about 10, 12 people on, on the floor, which was neat. So we were kind of split off. You know, it was very, very quiet. Uh, we got to this hallway and... Uh, 
on one side of the, the hallway was uh, patients' rooms. And on the other side, it looked like a, like a day room for like visitors to come okay. in and visit the, you know, they're, they're the people that are, you know, patients of, of the hospital there. Uh, so we all were sitting down and uh, we had the, you know, we had the recorders going, we had the cameras going and we asked uh, a question. Um, well, I basically made a statement. I said, um, would you please come out of your room and go across the hallway? There, there are friends and relatives waiting for you on the other side over there to talk with you. And no sooner had I said that, that uh, not only me, but several people saw a, a shadow, a dark shadow, dart across the hall from one of those patients' rooms into the day room and disappeared. Um, wow. Now, the, the crazy thing, and this always happens, the camera was facing in the wrong direction. Of course, right, of course. So we got the reactions <laughs> of the people that saw the thing go across, and they jumped up right away. Their eyes got about as big as silver dollars, and they said, did you see that? I said, what did you see before I said anything? We saw a shadow. Um, and I've, I've seen a Incredible. lot of shadow figures in the past uh, um, at all different locations. And uh, it seems like uh, a lot of people want to put kind of a negative thing, negative connotation on shadow figures. Um, I, I believe that it's just the way that the spirit, you know, allows itself to be seen in some cases that just exactly. way of manifesting as a shadow. That's yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of how I explain it too. You're right. I mean, so many people want to, you know, think it's a malevolent energy and, and maybe in rare cases it might be, but I'm with you. It's I think it's just a stage of manifestation. But you know, that's a personal I count personal experiences. I, I put them in case reports. I mean you you're the one that that uh, taught me to do that. And um, you know, I think they're equally as important to like objective data. I mean you had several people witness that and it was seemed to be an intelligent sort of interaction based on your question. So that's that's phenomenal. Phenomenal. I mean Trans Allegheny is another place I really want to go to. So hopefully one of these days. Yeah, and then you had another. Oh, sorry, I keep interrupting there are, you. My goodness, there are places that we've been to several times that I would I would not hesitate going back to, like uh, Trans Allegheny being one, maybe Waverly Hills being another one. Yes, uh, maybe even Old South Pittsburgh Hospital uh, being another one down in Tennessee. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if we ever decide to go back, um, you know, you're in the welcome list. You know, as always, oh. with us. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you so much. I wish I lived closer so I can, you know, work with you guys more often. But absolutely, hopefully after COVID gets better, uh, later this year, next year for sure. Um, but yeah, Trans Allegheny definitely on my list. Uh, so uh, sorry, my internet may have cut out there for a second. I apologize. But you had another experience too that you wanted to talk about. It was it Leonard's Leonard's Cave in Tennessee. Yeah, we were out there actually investigating the Thomas House, which is a very uh, haunted bed and breakfast. And uh, uh, they they stuff you with the food. I guarantee you, they give you they give you breakfast and they give you dinner included with your each day that you're there. So um, you get oh, wow. meals, and you get to investigate the whole, the whole property and everything, the pool and everything. Where a little girl drowned across the street. Uh, there's a church you can investigate. And then they allow you to go into a place called Leonard's Cave. Now, Leonard's Cave, excuse me, is on private property. But um, the um, the owner's son, I believe is what it is, uh, actually allows you and gives you permission because he knows the guy who owns the property. So, he, you know, it's kind of hard to find. It's kind of 
like a little dirt trail going up, and then all of a sudden you get this big mouth of a cave right there. So you kind of roll your roll up there, and then he tells you just make sure you close the gate when you leave. So you have there as long as you want, which is kind of cool. Nice. It's not really a super long cave. I mean, uh, it, it's it's they got very big caverns and sometimes little things you have to duck and so forth. But we were doing um, an area uh, where it was kind of wide open. And we had a couple of things that were very neat that happened to us. So we actually had a K2 meter that was wedged into one of the crevices. And we were asking questions. Um, total darkness and, you know, filming with night shot cameras. And uh, one of the questions, uh, questionnaires ask, uh, are, you, uh, are you with your family? Nothing. Are you alone? Suddenly the K2 meter shot up to red and, and actually came wow. flying out of the wall. And hit the hit the ground in front of us. And we have it on three different cameras that nobody was anywhere nearby, and it was really wedged in there pretty tightly. Now, just after that, I was kind of far back, and I was kind of you know just videotaping the EVP session to see if anything showed up in night shot. And everybody was to my to my left and to my front. There was nobody behind me at all. And suddenly, I I got the sensation of somebody literally had poked me in the back. And I quickly spun around. You know, I mean, I wasn't scared. I thought somebody was just, you know, trying to get my attention, one of my team members or something. And there was nobody there. The closest to me was Stan, and he was over to the left. And um, so I'm looking around, and I didn't see anything. I said, I just got poked in the back. Um, so, I, so I'm kind of shooting the camera around to see if I, anything shows up. And uh, when, when I later looked at that, footage that I have when I was panning the camera around, I went frame by frame. On a couple of frames, um, there looks like there's an apparition on the wall kind of doing like, like wow, kind of looking at me. Now, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're very familiar with her, and she said yes. that she believes in, 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 in um, these types of um, – well, there are types of apparitions that actually seem like they, they're formed in the rocks. Uh, and that, that's one of her beliefs. It's one of my beliefs as well. Um, okay. Nobody around anywhere nearby. Uh, you know, we had done research beforehand. Uh, we actually went to a local library right down the street. We discovered that they used to use that to, uh, to store moonshine. And, and there was an altercation between one of the moonshiners and a county sheriff where an individual was actually shot and killed in that cave. Uh, so was it a poke in the back or was it the ghost poking, <clears throat> you know, a rifle or something in my back telling me to get out of this cave? I, you know, I'll never that know. That could but be. That could be. But that's experience. Yeah, that could be where you have a historical event matching uh, a paranormal occurrence. But uh, did so? Did the apparition? It obviously wasn't shadow based. You actually. Um, well, you know what? Hold that thought because we're going to take a break, and then when we get back, we can uh, continue the discussion. You are listening to the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond on the WLTADB Network with guest Dale Katzmerich of the Ghost Research Society. Stay tuned. Control 
WLTK DB. Let's talk. Ever wanted to host your own radio show? If your answer is yes, then the time to act is now. WLTK DB Let's Talk is now accepting new programming more affordable than ever. You create the show idea and we'll take care of the rest. Not only do we create your program intro and provide broadcast training, but also syndicate you to popular outlets like Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more. You get all of this starting at 100 bucks per month. Three packages to choose from and built to make your wallet happy. Contact us at WLTKDB.com with your show idea and let's bring your dream to life. All topics accepted and you have full rights to your program. Contact us today and reserve your spot on WLTKDB Let's Talk. What are you waiting for? Let's do this. We didn't invent great sound. We perfected it. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. Twenty-two minutes past. You are listening to the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond on the WLTKDB network. That's WLTKDB.com. I'm your host, Nicole Strickland. And tonight I have none other than Dale Katzmerich of the Ghost Research Society. Before the break, uh, Dale was sharing with us a little bit about the history of the Ghost Research Society. Fabulous group, been around for many years. And uh, some of his experiences on investigations, including... Uh, the uh, Trans Alley Lunatic Asylum and Leonard's Cave, Tennessee. So let's go ahead and continue uh, uh, Leonard's Cave and that experience you had where you were in the back. Now, I uh, did have a question about that apparition. Obviously, it didn't sound like it was uh, uh, shadow based. Did you like? Did it have clothing? Did it have? Could you see any like facial characteristics? Oh, I could definitely uh, see you. Know, the- the screenshot that I took off the actual video, actually, you can see uh, very distinct facial features. You can see the expression on his face. It's almost like one of like, uh, ah, ha, ha, I got you. <laughs> one of those types. Of oh, that's, and yeah, that's he, so weird. Most of his body, you can see him actually, you know, his, 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 it's like this and kind of his, his elbows on his knee kind of bending over, just kind of staring at me. Um, it was, it was very strange. And, you know, when I, <laughs> Again, being a total darkness in, in a cave, I mean, that is literally the absence of all light when you're in a cave. And um, right. Stanley is standing next to me, and I think you've met Stanley before. And uh, yeah. I said, uh, uh, Stanley, I think I just got poked in the back. He goes, oh, you know, I think I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> My, uh, best Stanley impression. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it's, not, it's not the first time I've got uh, touched. I mean, I, I'll say, you know, I'm not like these TV shows that you go out every single time and you get touched. And I think that's really something that's made for TV, more or less. But, you know, I've had, I've had my hair touched a couple times. I've had uh, somebody rub across my face. I've, I've actually had a general nudge once in a while. But, uh, you know, nothing like I've been scratched or slimed or anything like that. But uh, um, the unusual thing that I seem to be getting a lot more of is actually seeing things because um, yeah. for the first uh, 10 years or so of my research, you know, I didn't see anything. I mean, I 
you know, maybe I wasn't open enough, uh, you, know, f- you know, in the field. Maybe I was kind of doubting what I was seeing, which kind of, as you know, can kind of turn off your everything. It's like turning off the switch. So, right. uh, you know, it was maybe the last eight or 10 years, maybe 10, 12 years or something like that, that I've really been seeing a lot more of, of shadow figures, apparitions, you know, strange things that, uh, um, you know, that shouldn't be there. Yeah, I have to concur on that. It's weird because when I first started, I, you know, my senses were uh, definitely dampened. And now as I've been going out more, I've noticed that too. Like I hear more, I see more. It's great. I just think it's the exposure and then just being more, like you said, being more open to it. So such great personal experiences. I love when you can have an experience like that. I wonder if there's a historical photo of the men in that altercation that maybe you could compare what you said to an actual photograph in the library. I don't know if you, you kind of broke up. You kind of broke up a little bit. I couldn't catch. Oh, it. sorry. So, oh, that's okay. So yeah, my internet's weird tonight. And usually it's not like that. So I don't know what's going on, but um, I'm wondering if there's like a historical photo that you can compare what you saw, you know, to match. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there is somewhere down the line, uh, but the, you know, in the newspaper articles, I mean, it was a very small library we went to, and I was really amazed that we even got anything there because the library was literally down the street from where the cave is. So maybe that's why there was uh, uh, some articles inside there, and we actually found some other mentions of the cave and the owners and that it was used as an Indian burial ground for a while. There was actual Indian bones inside there. Uh, it was a moonshine still. There was an actual person shot in there. I mean, so we had all this history uh, before we even went in. So we kind of had an idea, uh, maybe what to expect, perhaps. And uh, we, we we did actually find some bones in there, but I we think they most likely were animal bones and not you know human bones or anything like that. But uh, we found this, found this area that we were pretty sure. Excuse me, where the um, uh, the Indians might have used was kind of like a raised up little plateau inside there, maybe a couple of feet off the ground, like a big flat tabletop almost. It looked like, and I think maybe that was the area that they might have uh, you know used for um, uh, you, know, you know burials or uh, you know maybe you know Indian you know rituals or whatever the case may be, because. Uh, um, it just seemed like the rest of the cave was a lot harder to access because those other areas you would have had to crawl through the smaller passages to get through. So these were the larger areas that kind of um, uh, kind of opened up. Sounds like a place I definitely want to visit for sure. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of your team's protocols. I mean, I, I consider the Ghost Research Society, a very model team. So, uh, I mean, share a little bit about, I guess, some of your protocols and, like, how you approach a case study. Well, I mean, we always, uh, you know, uh, basically, well, before we get involved, you know, we, we try to do a lot of research into the field, uh, to the area that we're going into. If we're, if we're going to go into a private home or a private business, uh, usually I'm the one that you know, uh, interviews to people, you know, over the phone mm-hmm. or maybe through like a, you know, a Zoom meeting or something like this uh, to kind of get like a one-on-one to figure out what's going on. And then uh, when we go into, you know, locations, especially if they're private homes, um, you know, always bring in my, my team that, you know, without telling them anything, I bring them a nice cold. 
because I don't want anybody to have any preconceived notions of what's going on. Excellent. So all they know is that they're going to a place that's allegedly haunted. Uh, and we use a three-step approach. Well, like phase one, uh, we go through and we uh, separate into teams of two. Um, one person has some equipment. The other person has a clipboard, uh, usually with a, with a floor plan of the area. So they can kind of mark down like number one, I saw something happened here. And then scribble like number one, I saw something or I felt something. The equipment went off. And they go through the, the entire house, you know, again, not knowing where the phenomena took place because I didn't tell them. And um, then they, when they get done with all that, then they'll sit down and uh, with the client. And before the client has a chance to tell our group what's going on, I like to have our group tell the client what they've picked up because I think that's even more scientific. And that way the client's not telling you something and then you're just kind of you know, sending it right back. So, Absolutely. Um, it's amazing. Uh, and really, I don't know. It's just amazing um, that the, we hit the spots. It seems like where the activity is, uh, you know, the client, because I already know what's going on. So I'm kind of sitting there and I'm not saying anything. I'm just kind of like watching this and everything. Uh, and then later on, I take, take part of the actual investigation. Um, but it's, it's amusing to, to watch the client, you know, they're smiling. They say, yeah, it's exactly where I had this experience. I had it in here. Or I had it in here. And then the client tells our group and the people have never been there before, you know, what's going on to see how it matches. And usually it, it does match pretty, pretty uh, significantly. Uh, and then we go to phase three, which is then we, we set up our cameras. We, uh, we do EVP sessions. Uh, we do other experiments. And, um, uh, and then, you know, later on, you know, we'll, we'll review the stuff, um, do a report, and everybody sends in something about what, what happened to them, personal experiences, what, whatever fluctuations they had on their equipment, any EVPs, any, any feelings, any um, uh, personal experience of all, any kind, pretty much. Uh, and then package that all together. I'll sit down with the client again. Uh, this is called... This is before COVID, obviously. Right. Uh, but we would sit down with the client and uh, bring all this stuff uh, back to their home and then actually go through, you know, everything that we did uh, and then show them what we picked up so they can listen to it and they get a copy of the CD as well. So um, that's how I like to do all investigations, whether they're private or public. I always like to make sure that wherever we go, whether it's Waverly Hills or someplace else, that always send back our evidence of what we picked up, you know, to the client so they can, you know, they can add it to the website and they can see what else we picked up or whatever. And uh, I, I know a lot of teams don't do that, but uh, I guess one of the things that I've always said in, 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 in you know, what started to set this team up that I wanted to make sure that uh, we always got back to the client and we always made sure that they were well aware of what we picked up. I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny how a lot of people won't, and take the time to, to review data or, or write case reports that so integral to the entire case study. I mean, at the beginning, you said a clipboard with a map of the location. That is so important. Note-taking is so important. So there you have it, folks. This is why this team is so excellent and has been around for so long. What about some alternative? I mean, one question I have is, what, what's your thought on using psychic mediums or intuitives on, on case studies? Well, first of all, we have a couple of people in the group that I would I would I would say are either empathic or or or, or, or intuitive. Uh, they may not be full blown psychics. They maybe haven't developed their skills to the point where they can actually 
you know, be a medium or clairvoyant you know, and actually you know, have communication, but they're able to have feelings and sensations, which I'll, we always add, you know, to our, you know, our case studies and our report at the end. Uh, if you have personal experiences, so some people get it in different fashions. They may get a headache. They may get uh, pressure in their chest. They may get something on their body, uh, their hair standing up, uh, electric charge or whatever the case may be. Um, we normally don't use psychics during our first you know, initial investigation because it's, it's, I always always consider the first investigation kind of a fact-finding mission. We're going in there, we're trying to figure out if there's actually something going on, and then trying to also you know debunk it or find a natural explanation for it. Uh, and then right. once once we're not able to do that, then we move into this uh, the uh, the investigation uh, goes into the paranormal, uh, you know side of it, I guess you would say, where we try to investigate it and try to uh, get some, some data from that. Uh, when we're all done with this, and it really depends on each individual case we do, sometimes people call us in because they're, uh, they're one of two things. Either they're, they're frightened out of their wits mm -hmm. and they want whatever's there to be gone right away, um, or they're, they're very curious about it. Now, they might believe that it's a family or friend or a loved one, and if we're able to confirm that, <clears throat> Then they often say, well, if it's just, you know, Uncle Joe or Aunt Millie or something, yeah, they can stay. They don't have to go. You know, they're fine. That those are family members. So it really depends what the people want. So, I mean, when we get done with our investigation, uh, we don't go in as a ghostbuster. You know, I, don't, I don't consider myself a ghostbuster. I, I consider myself more of a researcher trying to pick up mm -hmm. the information and give it to the client so they can make a rational decision. And then if they decide that, you know, they want whatever is there to, to be gone or they want this phenomenon to stop, uh, that's when we would bring in somebody psychically uh, who can then, uh, you know, communicate with the spirit, can uh, through telepathy, through mediumship, uh, through channeling, whatever the case may be, and uh, see if they can alleviate the situation. Because, again, most, ca most cases... Um, and it's something that I've been studying for a long time is that uh, many ghosts are there because of untimely death or unfinished right. business. And uh, once you kind of explain the situation to the spirit that they're not of this world anymore because maybe they died so suddenly that they think they're still alive, but they can't communicate. Right, exactly. So it's like, you know, what's going on? The perfect example is the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze. Uh, yes, exactly. So, yeah. And I, I, I kind of quote that even when I'm doing my ghost tours, watch some of these movies like um, Pat, uh, Ghost with Patrick Swayze, uh, Bruce Willis in Sixth Sense, or even Nicole Kidman in The Others. All of those people that portrayed ghosts did not realize they were ghosts until later in the film because of the way they died suddenly or tragically. You know, that brings me to another question. Uh, you know, it seems like in the entertainment industry is wanting to portray every single ethereal entity is being a demon or being a malevolent energy. I mean, what's your thought on that? And how do you, cause that drives me nuts to be honest. I yeah. mean, it's like, well, really, I will say one thing about Hollywood pictures. Um, Hollywood has actually done a much better job in recent years portraying ghosts as they are supposed to be portrayed as those movies I just mentioned and other others like uh, white noise and shutter and many others just like that. And I actually helped uh, a bit uh, with the production of the, the, uh, um, um, the, the movie White Noise. I was actually contacted by the producers for that. I, I remember that, yeah. And uh, 
it was uh, refreshing because uh, a lot of times when you look at these motion pictures uh, towards the end, you look for technical advisors and technical advisors are those people, you know, like you and I and others who are in the field that advise the, the production staff of, hey, this is realistic. No, this is too far fetched. And try to keep them down the straight and narrow. So I think Hollywood has done a rather nice job. It's unfortunately some of these TV shows, these uh, reality TV ghost hunting shows that are on TV. And I'm not going to mention any names because I already get enough hate mail as it is. But uh, <laughs> uh, I will say that a lot of when these show, when a lot of these shows first started out, uh, they were just investigating ordinary ghosts, like Casper type ghosts. You know, friendly, mischievous, playful, and everything tends to be demonic. Uh, uh, malevolent. Uh, they're they're being attacked. They're being possessed. They're being pushed. Uh, their hair is being tugged every single episode. And as you know, that's that's not the norm. This is the far no. beyond what anybody can experience on a on a on a weekly, monthly, or yearly basis. Uh, and the, re- the only reason I can say they did that is because that's what sells. That's what of gets course. people uh, the cl- uh, the um, the sponsors happy because they they see that they're uh, people are buying their product because more people are watching the shows, and that's what they do. That, and a lot of these shows, unfortunately, have clauses in their contract that says if you don't get pick up something paranormally, well, you have to fake it because we want we need to have evidence on these shows, and that's why I yeah. have to turn down a lot of shows. In fact, a lot of people don't know this, uh, but I was actually the very first uh, investigator uh, in the field uh, by Pilgrim Films uh, to uh, be part of the actual TV show Ghost Hunters. Um, I don't doubt that, yeah. And uh, I, I, I don't know what happened, uh, why they didn't select me. Maybe it was because of what I said to them about uh, faking evidence and doing stuff and, and being straight and narrow, and, and they didn't like that, you know, because um, that's the reality of, of ghost research, not necessarily what's on TV today. Yeah, it's sad. And it's funny. I've seen it, at least for me, and I'm sorry, my internet's really weird tonight. So I hope you guys can hear me. But um, I've our private residence requests, I mean, in the last two years, I would say about 75% of them are from people that think they have a D-E-O-N in their house. You know, I just, I don't, I don't want to laugh. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to come off as that I'm uncaring, but it's just, oh my gosh, it's frustrating. Well, I think it a really lot of is, too, it's, it's that the, these people watch these TV shows too. Now, now say you're you're an yeah. upcoming person. Say you've never been in the field before, okay, and, you, and you're just interested in ghosts, and you tune into one of these TV shows, and you see these people on TV, and they're doing this and that, or using equipment, you know, improperly, but you don't know that, and you say, "Well, hey, this has got to be right because these guys are on TV, so they got to know what they're doing." So then, when you start your group. You fall in the same bad habits that they do on TV, going into places that, that everything is demonic, using equipment wrongly, uh, not going in teams of two, uh, you know, all different just just bad habits. And um, I, I'm, I'm going to be starting here in the next uh, week or so um, classes that I'm going to be teaching online, a whole eight-week, ten-week course on the paranormal that I'm putting together right oh. now. And hopefully, uh, I'll have more information on, on my Facebook page and on the website. Um, again, you know, not saying that my techniques and methodologies are the only way to ghost research and to, to 
do paranormal investigation. But it's because, uh, but we've had through the use of our protocols and methodologies, we've had a lot of good experiences and a lot of good EVP. So uh, we must be doing something right. I was just going to say, you must be doing something. Speaking of audio, you have some clips that you wanted to share. Some of them are EVP and some of them are instrumental transcommunication. So I think there are five of them. So uh, let's see how we want to do this. Uh, maybe play the clip. Do you, how should we do that? Should we play the clip then, um, and then you talk about it? Would that sound good? If you give me the name of clip, I can give you kind of a brief intro of where we're at. Okay. So I have number, I just, I didn't use in a specific order. It's just, um, I guess the order, how you listed them. So the first one, I, I, I don't know if that's the actual EVP, but that's, it's, I should have just said the place. Sorry about that. St. Mary's is the location. Okay. Uh, well, St. Mary's uh, is a, um, a large hospital in Gary, Indiana. It was actually where Michael Jackson's entire family was born. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a rundown, decrepit place now, part of, part of the Gary, Indiana Police Department. And we were actually there using an obelisk in phonetic mode. Now, in phonetic mode, it's able to form its own words using vowels and consonants, putting together words and forming those words into sentences. I had it in my top pocket, walking up five flights of stairs. It didn't say a darn word until we got to one room that had boxes and boxes of patients' records. And uh, I often like to take little like souvenirs home. My wife doesn't like that at all because she thinks I'm bringing something home. Um, but anyway, uh, one of my friends mentioned, hey, look at all those patient records. And that's where this clip comes in. It's actually a video clip, but you know, we have an audio as well. So if you want to play okay, that. So we'll go ahead and play that now. Records. Oh, take some of those. Hmm? Take some of that for your. Uh, Let's just say, get out of here. It sounds like to me. Sorry, I was just joking. Okay. Um, so basically, like I said, it had not said a word until we got up to that room, and uh, one of my, you know, my videographer Joey Tito uh, was actually filming that. Uh, or uh, he was uh, one of two people that were actually filming it, actually. And we got to that area, and he goes, oh, look at all those patient records. You want to take one look? And before he even got that out of his mouth, the obelisk in phonetic mode said, get out of here. Very clear, unmistakable. And, um, you know, and after that, it didn't say another word the whole time we were there. So it was really really That's interesting. Very um, interesting. It was just something there didn't want us touching anything in that room. Yeah, I mean, obviously, sounds like the record. The record. Um, yeah. And I've listened to all of these beforehand. They're fantastic, fantastic captures. Let's go with the Flight 191. Uh, I believe this is uh, an ITC clip that you sent. Okay, I'm not sure about which one that. It is. I'm not sure. Which it's one. the one. Uh, it, it has the word. Um, I don't know if you can hear my internet tonight. I don't know. I, I hope you heard me. It's the one that says "almost made okay. it." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We were actually doing a. Um, uh, we got as close as we could to the actual flight crash of Flight One Ninety One that came down May Twenty Fifth, Nineteen Seventy Nine, and we always try to get there on the date of 
and the hour, which is about 3.05 p.m. Now, we were there using a uh, an SB7 spirit box, and we were scanning uh, AM very, very quickly. And um, I don't even know if there was actually a question that was actually asked, but all of a sudden we heard two sentences come through. Now, as you know, using spirit boxes uh, and, and ghost boxes, uh, you might get a word, but when you get a whole sentence coming through in the same voice, mm-hmm. so that's possible because you're scanning like exactly is a station. Um, we actually got something, somebody comes through that said almost made it. And then after that, you will hear it says need power or more power. And we know from the flight that they were amazed, the people on the ground, that that pilot was able to keep that thing in the air as long as he did. So he almost made it, and he needed power to get climbed. So it's like it's like a residual coming through there uh, that we picked up, and I hope you'll be able to hear it. That's such a tragedy. Oh, my gosh. How about the flight engineer? One, I actually kind of almost talked over it a little bit, uh, but even talking over it, I mean, he kind of talked over me and kind of said, need power. And that, the, okay, that need power, yeah. It wasn't quite as clear as the first one, but the first one was almost made it. I mean, it was clear as a bell. Clear and as day. I, I, we ooh, got stuff there. I mean, we got stuff that we asked, what's the flight number? And it said one nine, and it stopped. We asked, what was the, what, what was your... Uh, what kind of plane was it? American came through. We asked, um, uh, the name Wax came through. We know that Judith Wax and Sheldon Wax, Playboy people, died in the crash. Um, we got, uh, what is, what's your name? Captain Lutz. Captain Lutz came through. So, I mean, we had, yes. a, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about uh, Me too, like all over. Because Incredible. the stuff that we got, Every time we were there, and we're trying to get permission to go on the actual crash site, and I think I found the way. To I would love to join you guys on that. Absolutely. Oh my gosh! So as you know, um, PSA one eighty two crashed here in San Diego. I believe it was uh, nineteen seventy eight, and I've been to that site. That's that's another site for you. But uh, oh, such a tragedy! But excellent, excellent capture. To I believe old South. Pittsburgh Hospital, if I have that right, it's the one with um, registered aid, and then okay. there's an acronym for the, the person's uh, uh, job title. Yeah, we were actually, all of us were in the, um, uh, on the floor near the, uh, the nursery, uh, and we had, um, uh, we were asking, um, I forget what, what question was asked, but it, it was something to the effect like, are you a are you on the staff or you're a nurse? And it comes through, um, and then I'll just, just play it. Uh, 
Yeah, it's clear, clear as day. Are you assigned to work in the nursery or are you a nurse on the psychiatric wing? Eight. Eight? Eight. Eight. Sorry, that's my stomach ground. Maybe aid? Aid. Aid. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. The nurse's aid? Nurse's aid? R. 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 I mean, how do you how do you figure something That's, like that out? I mean, this right. is a novelist again. It's a dictionary mode. I mean, excuse me, it's in phonetic mode, and it's actually talking. It's actually saying stuff to you. It's mm-hmm. actually saying it's an aide. It's an RN, a registered nurse, and you know, we're right in the wing where you know there would have been a lot of nurses in this area because down the hall are the operating rooms and you know, the nursery is right here, so. Oh, that's. I mean, that's clear. I mean, the ovalist is great. I use it too, dictionary and phonetic. But phonetic mode's incredible when it can go when it can get going. There's another one from the same location, starting out with Lee was, and then it's a, a person's name. Yeah, this was um, the 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 year before. We had heard screaming down the hallway, uh, audible disembodied screaming down the hallway, and none of our group screaming. Um, and then, so we came back about a year later or two years later, I forget what it was. And, um, somebody was asking, I think Jeannie Chilton from another group, uh, from, uh, Pro, uh, Priam, a very good researcher, friend of mine. She said, uh, we were hearing screaming last time. Was that you? And I think this is the clip that you, you got here and it actually says the name after it. So we'll, we'll play that. Okay. Go ahead and play it. Yeah. Was that you? Now, the very unusual thing about that probably was came through. But if you listen to the word that comes right after it, it actually says probably was Florence. And right, that's, that's not I a clearly heard that. Name. So, um, you know, we were right down the way this hospital was arranged. And I think it had a lot to do because it changed from time to time. The nursery was next to the psychiatric ward, which is next to the uh, to the uh, place where people, mothers were giving birth and there were operating rooms, too. But uh, so to hear screaming coming down the hallway, that would make perfect sense if some mother was giving birth. Exactly. Exactly. I'm wondering if there could be that could have been a reference to to like maybe Florence. I think her name was Florence Nightingale. I I don't know. I just the thought that came in my mind. I have no idea. These are excellent. Excellent. So the last one we have here, I have down McConaughey more than. Okay. And that's a Yeah. We were at a place called McConaughey Cemetery out in Goshen, Indiana, and uh, we were investigating the site of this, this cemetery. The cemetery just had a sign. It had no grave markers. They had long been removed. And uh, so at that time, we were, we were using something new called a phasma box. Now, phasma yes. box is something that people don't know. It is an application that you can get at extremesenses.com. It actually scans uh, 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 a um, sound banks and internet radio and adds a reverb and echo effect to it. Um, so we asked the question, 
how many graves are here, and then you'll hear the response. How many awesome. people are here? Over a hundred? Did you hear that? Yeah. That was very Yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, I am completely sold on this phasma box. Um, we have tried other experiments because uh, we had a couple of people from another group that were a bit skeptical about it. As I as I am when I anytime I get something new, I try to get all the bugs out of it. So yes, the other person said, "Well, maybe this is kind of far fetched, but maybe when you're asking questions, you're broadcasting this, and then somebody." is then somehow responding to you and you're picking it up through the phasma box. And I said, right. okay, well, that I'll shut off my my microphone on my, my tablet so I'm not broadcasting at all and we're still getting full sentences coming through. I've heard some from other researchers as well that this device is, or, or uh, phasma box is excellent. I have not used it myself, but it's, uh, I mean, from what I've heard, it's like phenomenal. Yeah, it's I only mean, fourteen ninety five. It, it's it's well worth it. You actually get two versions of it. Uh, the second version has a phasma box and has a built in obelisk with a word. Oh, great! Okay, you get Perfect. both. Uh, you get both of these for that for that fifteen dollar price, and it's well worth it. ExtremeSenses.com, correct? You have to use it, unfortunately, only with a tablet or a laptop. It won't work on a phone. Okay, so um, and is it is it? It's got to be a Windows. It's not Windows. Windows. That's what I thought. Windows based. Okay. Definitely want to try that. Oh my God. These are such amazing. I just love audio. Like I I could EVPs and and spirit box recordings all day, all night. So thanks so much for sharing them. We have uh, about five, six minutes left in the show. So let's do uh, your book giveaway. And so what book would you like to, it's so generous of you to do that as well. So uh, just so you know, U.S. and Puerto Rico residents only. So those that are in the chat. So if the first person answers the, uh, let's go with um, when was the most research society for what year? Let's go with that. First person that answers that in chat gets the book. What, what book would you like to give away? I'm going to give away the uh, um, Illuminating the Darkness, the Mystery of Spook Lights. Love that book. Excellent. I read that book, like, I swear, in like two days. Like, I couldn't put it down. I might read it again. I mean, so it's, awesome. It's, so it's a, it's a bunch of research I did about uh, uh, ghost lights and spook lights all across the country. Many of them I had a chance to actually investigate. Many I had personal experience and some were actually able to debunk. So. Yeah, it's a great, great book. Again, I've read it. So uh, question again is, when was the Ghost Research Society formed? First person that can answer that in chat uh, gets the book, and then I'll go ahead and uh, get that person's address and send it on to you so they can get a copy. Thank you so much. So before we end, uh, we have a lot of investigations planned for the for the year and even next year. Um, and then you mentioned the class that you're starting. What other events uh, do you have coming up for the team? Um, well, we're looking into, um, we're still in the planning stages because of uh, COVID and also because of uh, the, you know, the very weird Chicago winters we have over here. We have about yeah. 12, 15 inches of snow in the last uh, couple of weeks here. 
But we have to go back to some places that I haven't been back to since 1984, uh, including uh, hopefully get a chance to go back and investigate Fort Sheridan, uh, the former army base up the northern part of uh, the Chicagoland suburbs. And I also uh, recently got um, some other interesting tidbit information about another site. I uh, can't let it out of the bag yet, unfortunately, because I hope, hope it'll go through. But it'll be a fantastic local investigation here as well. Um, we're planning on going out to the Buddy Holly crash site this year, hopefully, uh, to investigate up in Clear, Clear Lake, um, Iowa. Uh, possibly no ping sanitarium up in Duluth, Minnesota, the Blixa Axe House, um, Gettysburg, Hales Bar Marina, maybe the Bell Witch Cave. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm fantastic. We're going to end up having to camp out here in Chicago if you want to go to all those, Nicola. <laughs> right? I know. I'm going to have to come out there for a month or something. Oh my gosh. I can't wait till COVID goes away and. Yeah, because it's been a while since I've researched with you guys, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that again. Uh, so how I mean, people already know your contact information, but for those that don't, how can people reach you? Well, Website, get, socials. Sure, they can get me on on Facebook. Uh, I don't do much Twitter, but they can get me on Facebook. I uh, just search for my name or the Ghost Research Society page. Uh, you can also go to my website at ghostresearch.org, uh, or they can simply email me at Dale at ghostresearch.org. Uh, Perfect. You know, if they got a photograph they want to share, a personal experience, maybe it's something that has happened to them they don't have an explanation for, I'll be happy to uh, talk with them and I'll give you my opinion. Awesome. Dale, thank you so much for taking the time. My internet is showing me that it's unstable, so I hope you can hear me. Again, I'll repeat that. Thank you so much, Dale, for taking the time to come on tonight. I'd love to have you back on in the future, so we'll get that going. Uh, next week, I have my uh, dear friend and San Diego Paranormal Research Society co-host, or co-host, I mean co-director with me, Ali Shriver. It'll be great to talk with her. Again, Dale, thank you so much. Can't wait to get back out there to uh, work with you guys over at the Ghost Research Society. And I uh, hope everyone has a good night. The archive should be up. The show should be up in about oh, a half hour or an hour. One last thought is uh, here at the Afterlife Chronicles, we are bridging the gap between mortality and the afterlife one experience at a time. Thank you so much and have a great night. Good night. <laughs>